Reading from the Epistle of Blessed Paul the Apostle to the Galatians. Brethren, as long as a designated heir is not of age, his condition is no different from that of a slave, though he is a titular master of all his possessions, where he is under the supervision of guardians and administrators until the time set by his father. In the same way, we also, while still not yet of age, were like slaves subordinated to the elements of the world. But when the established time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman and born under the law, for the purposes of buying release from the law for those who were subject to it, so that we might receive our status as adopted sons. What proves that you were sons is the fact that God has sent forth into our hearts spirit of his son, which cries out, Abba, that is, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, you are a son. And by the very fact of being a son, you are also an heir by God's will. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. At that time, the father and mother of Jesus were marveling at what was being said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign that will be contradicted. And your soul, too, will be pierced with a sword, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Now there was a prophetess, Anna, daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Aser. She was quite old, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. She was constantly in the temple, worshiping day and night in fasting and prayer. Coming on the scene at this precise time, she gave thanks to God and talked about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of, it, of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled all the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew in size and strength, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Praise to you, O Christ. We celebrate this Sunday in the octave of the Nativity of our Blessed Lord. The tabernacle candle in the church burns this week in loving memory of Marjorie and Laville. Next Saturday, January the 1st, is the Solemnity of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Holy Mother of God, in the octave day of Christmas. Uh, the Vigil Mass uh, will be offered at f on Friday at 5 p.m. On Saturday, we'll have Mass at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. Latin Mass. This year, attendance is not uh, obligatory, uh, being as the day falls on Saturday, but certainly it is a praiseworthy and a good practice to be able to maintain such holy days. A scripture of service and song, known as Lessons, Carols, Lessons and Carols, will be held by our choir here in the church next Sunday, January the 2nd at 3 p.m. I certainly I would encourage everyone to come. It's a wonderful reflection and meditation of hearing the Word of God proclaimed as it was preparing for the coming of the Christ hymns that accompany it, and then to rejoice in the fact of his nativity, the fact of his birth. So again, next, next Sunday at 3 o'clock. This beginning uh, this week, our bell tower uh, has been making a bit more noise, thanks be to God. Uh, you may notice at the hours uh, that there are two bells that chime together uh, whenever it strikes. This is because we have our, uh, the carillon bell system, a recorded bell system, with the speakers in the tower that chime at different times. 
But this week we were able to, to get the mechanics uh, to be able to, to work so that the bell itself sings now. Uh, this is an important thing. It may seem just like a bell is a bell, right? Um, but the fact is that, that a bell, a consecrated bell, is indeed baptized, anointed. It has godparents from the community. And it is a sacramental that is used to be able to have power to proclaim God, to speak his voice. Uh, bells are particularly used at different times in some of the rites of the church, particularly in, in uh, protection from storms. This is where the, our own bell found its, uh, uh, its uh, renewal, uh, as we didn't have the bell to ring uh, for the protection of storms back in August. Uh, and it's usually rung uh, as the prayers are being prayed as a sign of calling the people to prayer, but also speaking forth the power of the voice of God in protection. And so, uh, thanks be to God, our, our bell is ringing now in the nice hours. So far, we haven't heard any complaints from the neighbors um, because the bell tolls the angelus at 6 a.m. I keep waiting for a phone call. Maybe they just haven't found it yet. This, uh, we do have a number of events otherwise uh, coming up, too. As I said, lessons and carols will certainly encourage everyone to take part as you are able. Uh, next weekend, the Ordinary Forum will celebrate uh, the Feast of the Epiphany. And so next Saturday, after the 4 o'clock vigil, I'll be offering the, the lengthy uh, Epiphany blessing over the water. Uh, we'll also have the blessed chalk and the salt available as well. For the Feast of the Epiphany itself, we will have an additional feast. We will have... Uh, kind of a, a celebratory feast in a, in a different sense. We will have a, a five o'clock low mass for the Feast of the Epiphany on January the 6th. But then after, after, the, after the mass, we will have with us Miss Kathleen Beckman. Uh, Kathleen Beckman has a, a wonderful book that was put out this past year by Sophia Press. Uh, I think there's a, there'll be a clip of it next weekend in the bulletin. But it's a book on, on spiritual healing, on deliverance, and spiritual warfare, particularly for the family. What can families do to maintain the power of God and to have the tools, all the tools in your tool belt, to be able to, to live a good and holy family life? So she'll be here presenting on that uh, on Thursday, January the 6th, after that uh, low mass. <coughs> Excuse me after the low mass for the Epiphany, and then after that, if you want to stick around afterwards, uh, we'll have uh, the Feast for the, the Blessing of the Holy Water again uh, for the Feast of the Epiphany immediately following that. So we'll have the, the water, the salt, and the chalk, all those wonderful Epiphany blessings will be coming to us uh, this coming Saturday, as well as the following Thursday. Uh, Ms. Beckman will also be presenting with a panel discussion on the Friday, uh, Friday, January the 7th at 2 o'clock here also in the church. Lastly, I want you to, to stop in the vestibule and look at the, uh, the new illustrated calendar for the Christmas season. We told you about the one, and hopefully you stop by to see the one for the Advent season. Uh, and so there's a new one up uh, pointing, to us, pointing us to the 12 days of Christmas and the beautiful feast that we are celebrating currently during this holy time. This holy mass is being offered for Mr. Hugh Huxley. As we come right on the heels of Christmas Day, on this Sunday in the octave of Christmas, we hear Mother Church gives to us, already foretold, the mission of this child. For us, you know, in this close proximity, it's almost kind of a jarring thing right away 
to be able to, to say joyful Merry Christmases all around, to be able to have a celebratory tone that the, this, this child has, has come among us. He is Savior of the world. But then, today we come and we hear that this child will be a cause of division, that he will suffer, and his mother will suffer too. It is a reminder to us from the very first that the mission of our blessed Lord is necessarily marked by the cross. He's not even out of the crib when already the shadow of it seems to be cast upon him. Archbishop Fulton Sheen reminded us in this, of this same point, of the fact that every single one of us are born into this world that we might live. Christ himself is the only one in history who ever came into this world in the flesh for the sole purpose of dying. This, in fact, is his mission. He was born so as to be able to die and so to conquer death, to be able to cancel out that thing that prevents us from eternal joy, sin, and the consequences thereof. The life of this infant is necessarily one marked by trials. We see it in the the travels that he first experiences, the being born in the manger, the, the various travels and other things that he goes through the, the course of his own childhood. But also even liturgically, Mother Church speaks to us these things, that proximity to Christ means to carry one's cross. He himself told us that very clearly. If you would be my disciples, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's not a condition that can be set aside and still follow. It is a necessary peace. Today, ordinarily, would be the Feast of St. Stephen, the proto-martyr, the first one to shed his blood for love of Christ, given the gift of faith first that he had received. And it was this, the one who was closest to him, the feast of the celebration of the saint who was closest in proximity to Christmas, other than that of Christmas Day, St. Anastasia, that is a martyr of the church. Tomorrow is the feast of St. John the Apostle, St. John the Evangelist. It is he who was not martyred, but it wasn't for lack of trying. They tossed him in a vat of oil, and he miraculously survived. So they just shrugged their shoulders and sent him off in exile, instead there to die of natural causes, so to speak. But it was the cross that John was willing to accept and willing to embrace that kept him in close proximity to Christ. The day that follows is the Feast of the Holy Innocents, reminding us of the many children who were slain simply because the Lord had been born and they were jealous and they were fearful that he might take over their power. And so they slayed all the children that they could find. After this, the Feast of St. Thomas Becket, Archbishop Canterbury slain in his own church. To this we can add the concluding day, the, the feast uh, of the octave of Christmas Day, traditionally known as the circumcision. The, the circumcision is the first shedding of our Lord's blood, prophesying the many, uh, the many droplets of blood that would be born in his passion. The lone example that we have of someone who is not a martyr of the church during the octave of Christmas is that of St. Sylvester. And he stands for us as a, a sort of gentle reminder of it's okay, not everyone's called to martyrdom itself. Right? It's a very simple thing. But the fact is that, that in, the, in the wake of the coming and the birth of our Lord, 
there is tremendous bloodshed. And as a reminder to us, again, simply of his mission, that he is to be the cause of the fall and the rise of many in Israel, the fall for those who reject him, the rise for those who accept him. He is the one who indeed will be pierced by the sword. He will be slain upon the cross for love of us. He is the one who comes to do this intentionally. Again, it is his purpose. It was the reason that he was sent. It is the reason he came among us. And it is this reason that he continues to perpetuate in the life of the church. The church herself, as an institution, as well as in each of our members, still experiences the suffering. If they hate you, it's because they hated me first. And as we hear week after week after week in the prologue of St. John's Gospel, that he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. There's a reality that necessarily part of the joy of Christmas is the cross. The simple fact is that there is no escaping the cross in this life. Every one of us suffers. It's not as if anybody gets out of here freely. Not even, you know, it's not as even, even you look to the people who have all the things of the world, people who have all the authority, all the power, all the money, all the honor, all the prestige, all the comforts, all the everything that the world might offer, and still every last one of them still is a bit sad in some manner. The reality of the cross touches every single one. And likely, it's because they flee from the cross. They seek to run away from so many things, to run away from Christ himself, and thus become tremendously sad in this world. But joy is found in coming close to him, in coming to our Lord, knowing that it will mean sufferings, but not to be afraid of these things is to remember the words of Sirach that are spoken to us, the wonderful literature from the wisdom that says, my son, when you come to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for trials. We should not be disturbed by trials here in this life. We shouldn't be disturbed by the things that happen around us of the persecutions that happen, whether from outside the church or from inside the church. It is our lot. The closer we are in proximity to Christ, the more we will suffer. But the more that we suffer here, the more we are conformed to him, the more we share in his goodness, the more we share in his life, the more we experience the power of his grace in the midst of our own weakness. And the more we experience his cross in this life is to know that we will be even more radiant in the next. And this is the joy that awaits This is the good news of why the cross is not a terrible thing to be feared, particularly during the Christmas season. It is because Christ has come to save us, that we are heirs of heaven. We are not simply bound by the law of this world anymore. We have been set free. Our baptism has freed us from the chains of our sin. Confession continues to do so to the extent that we run back to them. Over and over and again, we're able to experience the power of God that saves us. This is the Christmas message. To know that the cross is part of this life, that it is part of our calling as Christians, but it is not to be feared, it is to be sought, it is to be pursued. 
I'm reminded also of St. Rose of Lima, who said that if we understood the power of suffering, we would seek it out rather than flee from it. We would pursue the cross, expect it, celebrate it, and rejoice in it. Certainly the angels and saints of God understand these things far greater than we can here in this moment. But for us to take courage, to take consolation, to know that the good Lord is with us, that when the cross bears upon our shoulders, it is not to be feared, it is to be celebrated, to know that he is with us, God Emmanuel, that we are not alone, and that a great and glorious future awaits.